Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast, where I get to have back for the second time my friend Martin Lindstrom. He's the founder and chairman of Lindstrom Company, a global branding and cultural transformation firm operating across five continents in more than 30 countries. Time Magazine has named him one of the world's 100 most influential people. And for three years running, Thinkers 50 has selected him to be among the world's top 50 business thinkers. He's the author of seven books, I think eight now, including several New York Times bestsellers that have been translated into 60 languages. The Wall Street Journal praised his book Brand Sense as one of the five best marketing books ever published. And his book Small Data, which I loved, by the way, as revolutionary and time called his book Biology, a breakthrough in branding. But he has a new book out, which we're going to get into today, called The Ministry of Common Sense, which I can't wait. But I'm sure he would agree his career highlight was endorsing my book. Right, Martin? Oh, I tell you it was. It was the day (laughs) I was sitting there dreaming of every single word I penned down. And do you know what? I have to say congratulations of your amazing success over the last, no, I'd say two years. It really has been extraordinary and so beautiful to see how you have found your sweet spot. Uh, I mean, people are saying that, oh, that was an overnight success. We all know that doesn't exist. Uh, You worked hard to get to this point. But I think as an outsider, you certainly showed all the amazing talent you had in just two years. The whole world came to realize that. Oh, thank you, Martin. It means a lot to me. I remember uh, us having a uh, conversation in Sydney at the Westin um, during the time you were not carrying a cell phone, so I could not cancel on you. I, remember. <laughs> I still and, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was very nervous about what was going to happen. So those uh, words that you just gave me were are very meaningful. So thank were you. you. N- no, you were not nervous. You're kidding. I was nervous. I was nervous. But hey, this isn't about me. So let's <laughs> let's jump in. Let's jump into bullish and bearish because I have to get us started on the uh, traditional foot. Um, I know this is your second time doing it and joining us, but but are you ready? Okay, I'll give you a go. All right. So the first two are going to be from uh, the Computer Electronics Show, which was a couple weeks ago. You know, so it's a few things I thought were very interesting. So the first one is. Sleep robots. It's basically a robot that helps you sleep. Not sure if it's really in your bed or not, but I think it is. So a sleep robot. That's bearish for me, I have to say. Yeah, I, I have to I have to agree with you. All right. But but Next I want to say one thing. I want to yeah. say one thing. Okay. I, I was part of developing another type of robot in Japan. You know, the sense of touch is the number one factor making us live longer. That's the reason why people are so depressed now because they can't touch anything. So in Japan, we worked on that with people in senior homes and developed this crazy concept where you could touch a seal a robot seal, and we installed it in elderly and senior homes, and it actually works. Uh, you know, the old people really feel more, you know, happy and more engaged because all their relatives are dead. So what I want to say here is robots can help you, but not for everything, right? Uh, uh, let's go with that. All right. The next one, a 200-inch TV. <laughs> Well, listen, that's just a cinema, just electronic estate. So that's um, that's bullish. Okay. All right. The third is space travel, but more of a commercial flavor of space travel, like vacationing space travel. Oh, definitely bullish. 
Definitely. Oh, okay. I want to go. I want to go. All right. Interesting. You know, some people are like, you know, listen, I, I don't know. You know, I get to Mars and never get back. I, I guess. I don't know. Take you a long time to get there and to get back. <laughs> huh. uh, yeah. Well, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to hold, hold this conversation up because I'm super excited to talk about uh, your new book. But before I do, I want to just back up a second and talk about small data, because for those of you who have not read uh, Martin's book called Small Data, it's really actually how we met uh, a friend, a mutual friend, um, uh, connected us uh, after I read that book. Uh, and I read it almost in a seating. It was a seating and a flight. I bought it in Seattle when I was there, flying back to Los Angeles, and I finished it. And what I loved about it is many people talk about big data, you know, lots of data and capturing all these data points from customers. But in reality, sometimes it's these very subtle pieces of small data or signals that you have to pay attention to. And I love the story about the refrigerator magnets. So I'm going to take you back just for a minute, if you wouldn't mind, and talk about sort of that as an example of small data. Would you mind sharing that story? Not at all. Well, listen, first, let me frame what small data is. It's what I define as insignificant observation, or rather saying insignificant, seemingly insignificant observations you make in people's lives. And quite often, we don't see them. <clears throat> we don't see them because we're too busy with our smartphones, or we're too busy running around, not being present. Um, but that happened for me when I was in Russia. And one of the things we had to do was to figure out how to start up a new company. And we had to figure out what should this company sell. And I will never forget it. I went to an apartment somewhere in Siberia and I noticed how all the fridge magnets were placed very low down on the fridge. Whereas when I later on went to Saudi Arabia, they're very high on the fridge. And what we were able to conclude out of that was that actually these kids were playing with the Fritz magnets and that was the only toy they had in Russia. In Saudi Arabia, they had enough toys so the kids didn't have to play with the Fritz magnets and that became the beginning of us starting up this, the largest toy company in, in Russia. It was really based on an insight of how Russians were using a replacement of toys to entertain their kids. And of course, no one would say it to you because they didn't really think about toys the same way as we do today. Um, so we had to spot those small data in a different way. So really the difference between big and small data is that small data is the hypothesis. It's the deeper insight. And the difference between that and big data is big, big data is all about the correlation. But the big data has a, a really bad side as well. I mean, it, classic big data observation would be that it rains more the more umbrellas you sell. And that's sort of the classic contract we have here. You cannot draw conclusions of big data. You have to use small data first to set off your hypothesis and then verify it through big data. Well, you know, I use that story about the magnets all the time because it was, you know, something as simple as you observed that the magnets were low on the refrigerator or high on the refrigerator. And that made a difference in what they represented in the household, correct? It does, because you have to remember our home is designed in such a way that we really mirror our personality. Let me give you an example. If you look for the coffee table book, if there is a coffee, a coffee table book in a room, you know that's the main room. If you will in that room see a large, colorful painting, I mean really large, 
we actually know today that, that person living in that household has a very strong self-confidence. Um, if you are displaying a lot of books in the main living room, we also know that the person doesn't have a, a, a strong education because we're kind of compensating for the lack of books when we are younger and our education through displaying a lot of books in our lives as we get older. If I wear a bunch of keys next to my pants hanging around there, we know today that most people actually uh, want to show power. The keys give them access to a lot of different rooms. And I think the most ironic story was that um, one of the richest people in Switzerland, I'm in Switzerland today, um, in fact, owns a, a fantastic hotel. It's a $100 million property, which he rebuilt. And he runs around with keys uh, next to his pants. But what's really f so interesting is that every door in that hotel are automatic. You just need to have a little sensor on you and then they'll open. But he still has his keys, which tells everything. Brilliant. So, you know, the challenge for those of you listening is to pay attention of those things that may seem slightly insignificant to try to understand why, especially, especially when you're trying to build a business or make a decision around what you're going to do from a marketing perspective or, a, you know, market acceleration or into the customers. And that leads me right into this new book called The Ministry of Common Sense. And Martin, why don't you tell us the sort of storyline behind this uh, and, and what it it really has um, shown, if you will. I really enjoyed reading it. So I, I'm super excited to hear your perspective. Well, listen, thank you. I mean, I jumped on a plane the other day. And as I was sitting in my seat, this announcement uh, came on the speakers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board on this plane. I regret to inform you that all cabin service has been completely suspended on the entire flight. And, by the way, using the lavatories in the front of the plane is prohibited. It's, they are only reserved for the cabin crew. You can, however, use the one lavatory in the back. So here I was sitting on row two, and I had to pass by another 32 rows, uh, almost like a TSA waiting line. And then I would arrive nearby the lavatory in the back of the plane, and I, there I could infuse this beautiful, freshly brewed smell of toilet mixed up with the aroma of COVID-19. I mean, where did common sense go? I, I tend to say that now, why have a simple action like buying office equipment turned into a six-people committee decision, followed by <laughs> a five-level approval process, and even worse, PowerPoint presentation? I mean, as they say, when a 264-page PowerPoint deck kicks off with welcome to the spring party planning meeting, I personally believe it's time to call the Ministry of Common Sense and put an end to all this once and for all. And that's where we are now. Common sense has left planet Earth. Well, I hope that's not true. <laughs> because... <laughs> let's go with that, right? Well, yeah, let's go with that. But I do think that, I mean, I'm seeing so many examples right now. It's not even funny because what happens is that we kind of bury ourselves in our inside out point of view. Think about it. I, I, first of all, do not believe there's anything called going back to work. 
In the future, we call it going forward to work. And by that, I mean we literally right now in a situation where we have to redefine how we do work. So if that's the case, how come we all sit on eight or 10 hours of back-to-back -back Zoom calls with not a single toilet break? I don't know where these toilet break disappeared. They were just not productive. So people sneak out to the laboratory, to the toilet, and then they go back again, pretending like they've been present for the last seven minutes. And guess what? They will ask the same question as was already answered on that call so we can just go in another loop. And even worse, every call lasts for exactly 60 minutes, no matter how mundane the call is, right? And then the classic one, you on mute. This is actually, when you say hello to people today, you don't say hello, you say you are on mute. That's the first thing we say to people. I mean, where did common sense go? It really creeps in through every crack of our lives right now. And because technology is so dominant, we don't even question it anymore. The only thing we do is to blame ourselves and say, oh, I guess, yeah, that's me. I don't get it anymore. Well, I think, you know, there's, there's, I, I I know you have a hysterical sort of trailer for the book, which everyone needs to check out. But, you know, talking about that very example, but let, let's dig into kind of common sense from a business perspective, because I think that not that, you know, managing a good Zoom call, but one of the examples you give is, is sort of thinking about going back to that data, right? And one of them is having conversations with existing and potential customers so that you can understand their lives better, so that you could possibly uh, solve the jobs to be done, right? Whatever that job potentially is. And you've put together this great kind of common sense diagnostic, which I also really love. Uh, can you sort of step through what that looks like and, and kind of what you <clears throat> learned through that process of putting that together? Well, absolutely. I, I do believe that just as computers are doing defragmentation every day, when you shut it down sometimes, it just stores the memory in different compartments, making it more efficient and more smooth to operate. Well, we need to do a defragmentation. And defragmentation for me is really to... Uh, and analyze your day on a day-to-day -day basis and ask yourself three or four questions. The first one is, what stuff do you do every day today which you actually should eliminate? And the second question is, what would you park? Things where you, oh, I'm not sure if this is good or bad, I'm thinking about it. What would you improve and what would you retain? Mm -hmm. These are the four questions you have to ask. And this is fascinating. I did this about a month ago. And I realized that around 42% of everything I do every day is a complete waste of my energy and my time. Because here's the issue. The eliminate and the park all belongs to the category I call nonsense. Nonsense is the opposite of common sense. So here we are wasting so much stuff on stop it, which, which really doesn't make sense in our lives. Yet we're applying that on top of all our existing duties, not questioning it. So my first advice is try to look at your life from outside in. And almost like we have a to-do list, create your on-to-do lists. The list where you're de-ticking all the different boxes you have because we cannot handle that pressure anymore. And by the way, we only have one life. Why should we go through 40%, which is really states at the park and the eliminate category, right? I totally agree. I mean, I'm going to get really tactical here for a second, but we've done some research here where we find that 
60 plus percent of a salesperson's time is spent on non-selling activities. Is that Yet, right? So give me an example of one of them. Yeah. So, and, and so you hire them to sell, right? I mean, that's what you're hiring them to do. Yet 60% of the time, it can be things like doing research or responding to emails or filling out purchase orders or, you know, chasing down executives for approvals on a pricing discount yeah. or working with the supply chain team because the, you know, the delivery is going to be delayed or, 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 right. There's yeah, lots yeah. of things in there, yeah. but it's 60%. And so it's I often crazy. say to leaders, right? Like if you can remove 10, 15, 20% of that time and give it back to the actual job you've hired them to do, which is to sell more there. You have two choices, right? You either have to improve the processes, right? At the human side, right? To sort of speed up those um, barriers that get in front of that time that could be spent selling, or you have to automate using technology in ways that doesn't replace humans, but augments that job that they have to be done, right? And that's that kind of eliminate the tasks that are redundant and how do we automate them? Park the ones that are not your core job and make sure that they're being handled by the people who are supposed to be handling them. You know, sometimes sales dips its toes in places it shouldn't. Uh, and and then really focus on, in, I'm using your terms, right? Improving what their performance is and productivity is. And <clears throat> not that that's the only thing you're focused on because in the end, you're trying to capture and retain customers. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and let me just add two perspectives to this. I want to take one perspective, which is the inside of you. Uh, we work with one of the largest banks in the world. And I, I realized during our interaction that an average bank executive is, is receiving, listen to this, Tiff, this is crazy, 800 emails a day. Now, if you just do the math, one minute per email, reading it and replying, just one minute, that's 13 hours of emails. I, I mean, no one can be productive that way. So I had a discussion with the bank and I said to them, listen, are you aware of that there's a direct correlation between the number of emails you send and the number of emails you receive? And then I asked them a question. Why don't we get rid of the CC button and reply all button? And of course, they were saying, no way we could do that. Compliance will never agree to it. The legal will never accept it. We're going to have huge complaints. I said to them, listen, how many of you actually read those CC emails? And literally, no one did. So we introduced it. A year later, the average 800 had dropped to 350. And to this very day, we not received a single complaint. So this is the first story. The story is you sometimes need another perspective of your duties, day-to-day -day duties, in order to optimize your work. The other aspect is exactly what you just raised previously. That is to see the world from outside in. That is to see it through the eyes of the customer. And I think once you do that, you will suddenly realize that there's things going on, which you're doing, which is absolutely stupid because it completely disconnected from reality because companies have become so, you know, obsessed with their own worldview, seeing the world from inside out. So these are the two very important aspects. Yeah, and, and I think that it's it's, also about, um, you know, someone else who I greatly admire, who's been on the show a number of times as well as Tom Peters. Uh, and he has a great, you know, sort of philosophy of management by wandering around. Yeah. Right. And so you wouldn't know that sort of BCC, CC reply all, unless you were asking the right questions, which is another guest I had on Mark Victor Hansen, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, but also wrote a new book called Ask, right? Becoming a master asker, asking the right questions so you can uncover what, why are we doing things that have 
zero common sense. Like, you know, what are we doing that's really stupid? <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> Right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And and I'll give you an example from, I, disp I heard this story yesterday. This is fresh, right? So a good friend of mine works in a, one of the largest financial institutions on this planet. And she wanted to change the way things were happening when you needed to have an approval of a document. Now, typically this bank and this financial institution would spend around eight days to secure an approval for whatever document it was, eight days. So what she did was to say, I want to follow that piece of paper. So she literally, instead of sending emails around, she walked around with the email. And she sat next to people, she waited until the replies, she walked around, and she literally followed the whole process. Now, this is fascinating. After she did that, she realized there were so many issues going on, but not a single person actually needed to look at the paper because they never looked at it anyway. So she said, let's cut down the process. So she cut down the process to such a degree that it went from eight days to six hours. Now, what was fascinating about this is they never received a complaint. There was never any legal issues. It was first when she saw this piece of paper as she walked around, like Tom Peter said, walking around by management. She did that and suddenly she could see all the frictions taking place and fix it one by one. Yeah. And I think this has to come down to the ability for a leader to be open, empathetic, and um, I'm going to use open again, but you know, that ideas can come from anywhere and that it isn't, you're always right. And somebody else is wrong or whatever, right? It's like, well, how can I listen for something that is going to give me a leg up right against the competition uh, or, or whatever that might be. And I think during the last year, anyway, I've seen so many leaders uh, and managers of large uh, companies, of course, but small and medium businesses have been hitting it out of the park with really just sort of standing up, like, what are their values? What do they stand for? You know, it's common sense that we're going to do what's best for our community, not just for us. And, you know, kind of all those things. And so have you seen, um, cause you, you know, have a gl global footprint. What, what has inspired you during this time of, of thinking differently about how we can use common sense to just provide, you know, purpose kind of over profit and not just be all about the capitalism. Let me tell you a story. One of our clients is the largest, one of the largest pharma companies in the world. They're the number one in respiratory, the respiratory field. And I went to uh, the executive boards uh, once they asked me if I could help them with patient satisfaction. I went to them and I said, hey, when did you last speak to your, your patients? And they said, never. I said, never? Seriously? So um, I said, why is that? They said, well, compliance will never allow it. So I went to compliance, knocked on the door, and they said, no, that's not true. They never asked us. So we persuaded them to go with us into homes of patients. So we end up in a home of a 20-year-old lady. She's had asthma her entire life. And I asked her a pretty dramatic question. I said to her, listen, how did it feel to have asthma as a, a young child? And she started to cry. And I said to her, What's happening? She said, listen, the fact is that I was teased in school. I was bullied. I was not even invited to the, the, the parties because they said I was a disgrace for human beings. So it really hurt me. I said, but listen, you look like you have a lot of confidence today. What changed? She said, I'll show you a secret. So she went into her bag. She pulled out a straw and she said, that's my secret. I said, what do you mean? She said, I give this to everyone I meet the first time. 
and asked him to breathe through this straw while holding themselves on the nose. And immediately, it's almost like we're exchanging a sense of empathy. It's like they feel for me. And that's my secret. So I took that idea. I stole it. And I used it at the board of this company. And we switched off the lights. We uh, had a sound in the background with a guy which had a heavy breathing, like this. <gasps> and then I asked everyone to breathe through the straw. And after 30 seconds, the first executive to speed up the, the straw, he said, listen, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. Who's living this way? I said, that is how <laughs> your patients are feeling like every minute of your entire life. It's almost like you could feel a penny drop on that floor. And since then, the entire company changed. Suddenly, the HR department is hiring people with empathy. R&D is actually right now developing things seen from the patient point of view. The company changed because they introduced a sense of empathy. Now, what I've learned writing the Ministry of Common Sense is that there's a direct correlation between empathy and common sense. The less empathy you have, the less common sense. The more empathy, the more you see the world through another person's eye or you feel it, the more common sense you have. And that's where the issue is. We increasingly are seeing the world from inside out. Well, this is just, I wish we had more time. I wish we had more time. But I, but I will say, everybody who's listening to this, I highly recommend to pick up one of Martin's books. I think it's nine now because I think it was eight, now nine. Uh, but I, as I said, I loved small data. I loved brand sense. I loved biology, and now the Ministry of Common Sense is a fun read. I, you know, I'd recommend reading it and then maybe giving it to those that may be your direct managers. <laughs> <laughs> if you dare, do you know what if we actually <laughs> we we set up? We, this is fun, Tiffany. We actually set up a, a on our website on marcelinstom.com. I set up a system where people can order a book for their boss. And then you can put in a postcard and, and the card is saying hint, hint, right? Or whatever. We've had thousands of people doing that. Obviously, there is an issue out there, I tell you. Well, you know, whatever, whatever you know, if, if you so choose, but at least, you know, maybe make it part of your book club. But Martin, it has been such a pleasure to have you back on the What's Next podcast again. How can people keep in touch with you and follow up on your work besides, you know, all of the books? Well, it's pretty simple. MartinLindstrom.com. You can find a lot of stuff there, or you can find me on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Martin. It has been a pleasure. Always is. I hope you stay safe. Have an amazing 2021. And I hope the book just does as well as all the others, if not better. So oh, thank you Oh, you again. are so sweet. Thank you so much. And good luck to your amazing book as well. Right? Take care and thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Martin. It's always fun to have him on. He's such an amazing human being, but a great storyteller in bringing us incredible examples to talk about his research and what he's thinking about in a way that resonates with all of us. I hope you took away some great nuggets. I hope you're inspired uh, to go buy his new book, but ultimately this is about you. I hope you enjoyed it. Please give me feedback, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends. But more important, have an amazing day. Take care of yourself and those around you. Bye-bye.